Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Welcome to another edition of Private Club Radio. It's an exciting day here at the Private Club Agency. We're bringing on a bunch of new clients. We got Latrobe Country Club up in Western Pennsylvania, Alamance Country Club in North Carolina, Burlington Country Club in New Jersey, the Suburban Club outside of Baltimore, Maryland, Jacksonville Golf and Country Club down in Jacksonville, Florida. And so we are covering the East Coast from head to toe and keeping ourselves busy. Hopefully you're keeping yourself busy. If you're here in Florida or in some of the warm weather states, you're probably ending up your season. And I hope you had a great one. And to our clubs in the North who are just kicking off, I hope you have a wonderful start to your season here in the the spring. And I hope the weather is good to you this summer. We had some crazy weather this last year. Well, I've got a pretty exciting little conversation to bring to you today. We're chatting with Peter Nanula of Concert Golf Partners, and we're bringing on Bill Trent of Plantation Golf and Country Club down in Venice, Florida, on the west coast of Florida, to talk about some board issues that the club had. And there's some great lessons in the chat. We talk about how you do a due diligence process when you're thinking about bringing on an outside partner for the club. We talk about how do you build consensus within the members for issues that the board's going to pass? How do you build trust? How do you communicate to your members as a board? It's a really great conversation that I think you're going to love. So without further ado, here is Peter and Bill. And now it's time for Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners. A behind-the-scenes look inside real boardrooms with special guest Peter Nanula. Welcome to another edition of Board Chats presented by Concert Golf Partners, where we are talking real-world experiences inside the club boardroom, dealing with board strategy and management issues. It's your behind-the-scenes look into the boardroom each month and brought to you, as always, by Concert Golf Partners, who bring capital and management expertise to preserve and enhance private clubs. We've got Peter Nanula on the line. Peter, wanted to catch up with you on Concert Golf. What's new? Hey, good talking to you, Gabe. Um, yeah, life is good. Um, we're working with several club boards on solving their issues as always. You know, I just got our first quarter, you know, reports back from our team, you know, financials and operations and 20 out of 20 clubs profitable with rising memberships. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's good news for us, right? But in our, in our clubs, but it's kind of a tale of two industries because, I spend most of my time on the phone with board members of clubs that are, we can talk about Bill's club next, but, you know, they're struggling with four or five common issues at private member clubs, and, boy, these are really good times for the private club industry, and I keep thinking, if you're not doing well now at your club in the 10th straight year of an economic expansion, you probably should be getting some kind of help from, you know, Gabe, from you and membership marketing or from us with capital and management or some kind of help because it probably doesn't get a lot better than the sweet spot we're in now, but that's not what you hear when you talk to a lot of clubs. Yeah, it's sad, and you're right, though. This It's time to get get while the getting's good for sure. Yeah. Any, um, any new uh, clubs coming online with concert? Yes, we are working on one on the West Coast, which would be new for us. Um, we are working on 
a couple in the Northeast. I cannot say names because we're under strict non-disclosures. But, you know, the same kind of process as you'll hear in talking to Bill. We, we yeah. spent a year or two talking to members of Bill's board down in Florida before we ever did anything together. And it's always confidential until we can put together a solution that's really a winner for their whole membership. One benefit of concert golf that I had no idea about even being a member of your club, and I should have known this, but the members of any concert golf property have access to Pacific Links. I thought that was really cool. Could you explain what that's all about, Peter? Correct. Yeah, that's usually the first thing the members get excited about when I'm standing up in front of a town hall meeting is all of a sudden all the TPC courses, TPC Sawgrass, all of them. There's over 300 clubs and golf courses in the Pacific Links TPC network. And our members of all of our clubs get 50% off and easy access to all those those it, clubs. That's an incredible benefit that, that, that I think is just an amazing thing. So uh, I'm certainly going to take uh, full advantage of it as I do quite a bit of traveling. Yeah, you that's should. A good, that's a good one to have. <laughs> but I just, like I said, just learned about it. So I'm glad to know now. Now, um, I want to bring on our guest. Uh, our featured guest today is Bill Trent. He's a retired general counsel of Kent Corporation in Iowa. He's been a member of Plantation Golf and Country Club since 2009 and has been a board member since 2017. He co-led the process of getting new capital and management into the club. So, Bill, welcome to Private Club Radio. Nice to be with you. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'd love to just start off and get a little history of Plantation Golf and Country Club from your eyes. Well, Plantation Golf and Country Club is part or was part of a plan unit development here in Florida, which included the club and surrounding uh, homes, some single family, some townhomes, some villas, a lot of condominiums. And it currently has about 2,600 doorknobs in the community of those various types of housing. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you've got two, two courses there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the, the country club itself is uh, quite a nice facility. It has 36 holes of uh, Ron Garl designed golf courses, which are among the very best in the area. But we also have uh, 12 tennis courts plus a large stadium court, a couple of pickleball courts, bocce ball courts, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, fitness center, and, of course, the clubhouse and grounds. Yeah, it's a beautiful club. I was there probably two years ago now, uh, but really just a gorgeous property. And you guys have an LPGA qualifier that happens there as well, right? We do. Uh, every October for many years now, we've been the host to an LPGA qualifier. and has been a very popular event, and uh, Peter can speak to this, but I believe concert has committed to continue that qualifying event with the LPGA for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that, that's, yes, indeed. That's amazing. Yeah. It's great to have the eyeballs on you there locally, uh, once a year it's, and it, it carries through for the rest of the year. So that's awesome. Well, well, I'd love to talk to you next about the issues that, uh, plantation was having. Could you tell me some of, some of those bill? Well, I probably typical for many member owned clubs these days, uh, we had we were having a declining membership, uh, both in golf members and otherwise, and we were having to raise dues, and we were under a significant amount of debt that had been accumulated over the years, and just a number of those different factors, which you know led us to the point where 
we could keep our nose above water, but we could only do it by raising dues, that type of thing. And we're in a position where we could fix things if they were broken, but we didn't have a lot of money available for any new major capital improvements or upgrades to the facilities. What kind of capital improvements were you looking to do out of curiosity? Oh, well, as part of our overall due diligence process, even leading up to the sale to concert, we looked at the types of things that uh, needed to be done. We we needed clubhouse renovations. We need a, a bigger, uh, better fitness center. We need additional pickleball courts. We uh, Just a whole lot of things. Plus, uh, the golf course needed a lot of attention and maintenance and a uh, to the tune of a whole lot more money than uh, we had available to be able to spend on it, whether it was irrigation and drainage or the traps or reseeding certain areas of the golf course. Just there were a lot of improvements that needed to be made, and we just didn't have the capital resources available to do it. Yeah. Now, you said you mentioned you got into some debt. So uh, when did you borrow, and what were the funds used for? Well, the... Uh, Debt was accumulated over several years. Uh, The most recent borrowing uh, was back in the 2013-14 period and added on to some debt we already had. Uh, You know, that particular borrowing uh, remodeled and expanded the pro shop and added some men's and uh, women's locker rooms and meeting rooms, and there were other improvements done around the club at that time as well. Yeah. Were there any issues with the bank you were using or anything like that? No, actually, we had a good relationship with the bank. We we had enough money that we could service our debt. We weren't late in any payments or having any trouble with with the bank, but we were taking so much of our capital uh, money every year, half of the capital money we raised every year went into having to service the debt, which, you know, basically, as I said earlier, left us enough money to fix things if they were broken, but didn't leave us enough money to, you know, make any of those major capital improvements or additions that I uh, just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you don't have the money to do what, what the what, what the members want. That's for sure. Any other issues that were happening at the club at the time? Uh, no, the, the, the members here have always loved the club. They love the culture of the club. They've got along well. The club has always had a lot of events and things going on at the club. But uh, I guess maybe the only other issue is because we're an older club, you know, having started back in the early 80s, you know, we're also an aging club in terms of the age of our membership. So we're, you know, been in the process of transitioning members and we weren't growing the membership, new members coming in to replace the old members uh, leaving. Right. Yeah, it's hard to focus on those things when you've got other issues and, and debt to service. I get it. Um, what other options were you oh, considering yeah. when you brought in concert? Who else were you considering? And did you try any, you know, member assessments or anything else like that? Well, we, we've never had a uh, member assessment at this club. So that was an important thing to our members as we were looking at the whole process. But before I go any further, Gabe, let me take just a quick moment to uh 
thank uh, the, the board of directors at the club and even previous boards. This process of looking at what to do started several years ago, and it began uh, by looking at maybe just going to a management company. And it, we looked at things like selling off, uh, possibly selling off land for development to raise money. And we looked at you know, going semi-private, and we looked at a lot of different things. Having been a private club, our members, you know, number one top priority, other than no assessments, is was to remain a private club. But we looked at all of those things in detail, and both previous boards and the, and the current board that led up to the sale spent a lot of time and effort looking into all of those things. And how did you check those off your list? Like, what 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 was the deciding factor when you said, well, you know, management company's not going to work, or you know, maybe we're not going to sell off the land. What, what what went into that decision-making process? I give a lot of credit to our finance committee and to our CFO. Uh, not only did we look at these things, but they, we crunched the numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, bottom line, uh, we ultimately came to the conclusion that the best long-term strategy for the club was to sell to a good management company. So then once we, the board unanimously decided that once we, once we started going that direction, then we began to look at different possible management companies to uh, deal with. Sure. Yeah. In all full disclosure, I'm a member at another concert property, Carrollwood Country Club, as most of our listeners know. And, you know, I love that I'm never going to be worried about an assessment uh, I just I just like going out there and enjoying my my round of golf. I had my son out there yesterday, actually doing a little chipping on the putting green, so that was kind of fun. Um, but Peter, let me. Well, that's over. good. Can, can he beat? Oh, can he beat you yet? Oh, can, not quite can yet. Your he's son just beat learning. you yet? He's only six. I'm, he's just oh, learning okay. how to grip it and and all that. But uh, it's fun to be out there with him. Uh, but Peter, let me throw it over give to you. About for, four or five years. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. Uh, Bill, I was going to ask you, you know, one of the things that we see, I see when I'm meeting with boards is you mentioned not wanting to raise dues and that the club has never passed or even proposed member assessments, uh, which sounds, you know, very prudent. But what I often find, I wonder if you had this situation at Plantation, is the board will be thinking about raising dues more than a normal 3% or something or passing an assessment of, you know, 3000 or 5000 or even $10,000. And oftentimes half the room will say, sure, go ahead. I can afford it. Just do it. And the other half of the room doesn't want to do it. And so you have this split between people who are happy to spend the extra money to keep the club the way it is and keep investing, and the other half that feel a little pinched by those decisions. Did, did you have a similar kind of dynamic at Plantation? I, I would say similar. Uh, most people, because they had, or they, we as a club, had never had an assessment, most people had grown accustomed to not having one. So I would say the significant majority uh, was not in favor of assessments. We, the club, had been raising dues from the time I joined in 2009 
until the most recent dues have gone up by about $3,000 a year since I first joined. So the club had been raising dues, but, you know, gently over that 10-year period. But we, we had gotten up to a point where, you know, our dues structure was at the very top of the pyramid for our general market area. And I'm sure, you know, Peter and his group have looked at that kind of thing, too. So uh, b- before I go too much far- farther, uh, you may have wanted to know, you know how we settled on concert. Yes, absolutely. Give me the story, please. <laughs> well, it, once we had made the decision that sale was best, uh, we looked at several different uh, possible entities to sell to, and we narrowed that down to two. I can't name the other one for confidentiality reasons, but then we delved into those two, and we solicited proposals from those two. We carefully reviewed those proposals, and ultimately the board decided unanimously to pursue the concert's proposal, which we obviously did, negotiated a purchase and sale agreement, and took it to a member vote, and here we are now, as of February 1st, with uh, Concert, the owner of uh, Plantation Golf and Country Club. Yeah, what were you looking to get out of the relationship when you decided for concert, or or what what made them the most appealing option in your mind? Well, there were several things that made them appealing. One, you know, based upon our due diligence, they they clearly had the knowledge and expertise. Two, they were a smaller outfit in the in the sense that at the time they had nineteen clubs. And we didn't necessarily want to be a part of a huge, uh, larger operation. So that was an appeal. You know, their appeal of no assessments and their commitment not to raise dues and, you know, other things like that. It just there were a lot of attractions to concert. Plus, I give a lot of credit to our board of directors. Uh, each individual member took responsibility for visiting a concert club during during our due diligence process and uh, each member was provided with a lengthy list of questions to ask members and management at other clubs and after doing all that due diligence the uh, the members who made those visits all came back with positive reports of how things were going or had gone at those other clubs that concert had purchased and were running that's a great that's a great uh, idea for other clubs out there that are considering options on the table to actually visit some clubs and what did you you went you went to some of the other clubs here in Florida did you actually go in person over there or how did it work Oh, that, I would definitely encourage any other clubs that are considering this and are, get to the point where they're narrowed down and are working on uh, drafting an agreement that while they're working on that process, encourage their board members to personally visit other concert clubs. Concert was very willing to let us do that, and our board members visited at, at 10 of the 19 clubs that concert owned and they visited them in person and they weren't just Florida clubs. We went to the Indiana club. We went to the Georgia club. We went to the Carolina club. I mean, we, we visited a lot. When I say we, uh, each 
board member volunteered to visit at least one. Some board members went to more than one club. And one of our board members also uh, interviewed one of concerts a regional managers who was responsible for the overall operation of seven of their clubs. So we thought we tried to do our due diligence as best we could. I love that. that that's wonderful. I, I, Peter, do you see that happen a lot? Is that something normal that, that folks go and visit your other properties? Yes. So we encourage uh, board members like Bill to call board members on the phone, talk about their experiences, you know, because some clubs are in a different situation and you want to find out, you know, are they having common issues that we and our members could, you know, resonate with and also to visit these other clubs, right? Go see them. They're different geographies and they have different fact patterns, but until you really get to see how we operate a club and how we fund improvements, you're really just theorizing or looking at a website, you really need to go. And, and, and then you emerge with some confidence that, hey, these people know what they're doing. And these are vibrant clubs that are kind of what we're hoping for or, or not, right? And so you, you got to go touch and touch and feel it, I think. Yeah, I love that you went to, to over half of them, Bill. That's really cool. Peter, one other question for you. What, what uh, did you see in Plantation that looked like you could uh, make a big impact there? Yeah, no, I, I listen, Plantation's a great club, right? 36 holes, like Bill described. They have all the amenities there. Um, this was a club that, you know, I think was quite well governed by its board, very thoughtful. The, the entire board that I spent a lot of time with was very much in the vein of uh, thinking about the broader goodwill of the entire membership. You didn't have discussions about personal agendas or any of that. Uh, and so it was a very thoughtful board. They were trying to do their best to grow their membership and replace their, you know, their, their aging members who, who, who are, you know, having attrition every year. And they were just, you know, doing, I think, top quartile across the board in terms of member governance. But there are certain things that we know we can do at a club-like plantation to grow the membership more aggressively, getting rid of their debt, even though it wasn't overly burdensome, and Bill said they're in very good shape with their bank and all that. You know, the problem is when you're taking half of that capital money that the club sets aside every year, and instead of putting it all of it back into your golf courses and your clubhouse and your other amenities, you're only putting half of it back in because the other half's going to your bank. I mean, at some point, that's a kind of slow road to nowhere. And when we wipe out the debt, and we can put in a whole bunch of millions of dollars of improvements right when we get there and set up a nice capital reserve fund going forward, the club is just very well positioned vis-a-vis other clubs in the market uh, for the long term. And so, you know, those are some of the things we saw. Um, there was also an issue about refunds that I don't think we touched on yet. This was a club, like many others we talked to, that had a past Bylaw, maybe you can clarify, Bill, bylaws or a past historical practice of paying out certain refunds when you leave the club. You could get on a wait list and you hope to get a check someday. And, and it's very common to encounter the situation Plantation had where people weren't really getting their checks promptly. They were waiting for many, many years to get a check. And so that leads to some dissatisfaction. And, and we can solve that when we arrive. Well, I, I agree. Thank you, Peter, for mentioning that. Uh, you know, part of our the purchase and sale agreement with Concert is Concert agreed 
to take over and handle those refunds and offered you know to pay out all the individuals who are on the resigned member list immediately and which is a real benefit because as peter said we're in a position like many member owned clubs that when an individual uh resigns from the club they only get paid out if we have the money in that payout fund and we were having more resignations than new members and typically resigned members only get paid out as you add new members and our resigned member waiting list was getting so long that basically people who were at number 40 or 50 and above would probably never get paid out in their lifetime. So uh, just the way the trends on membership were going. So concerts willingness to step in and offer to pay out those people immediately was, uh, was certainly a nice addition to the deal. Yeah, I bet it was uh, just one more question on that line of thinking. Um, you know, I think a lot of clubs around the country are, are sort of deciding to, you know, forego the, member refund process and to make their initiation fees non-refundable. If you were to just start a new club, let's say you and, you know, 50 or hundred buddies want to just go and start a new club bill. What would your advice be to uh, clubs that are considering uh, whether they make it refundable or not? Well, my personal advice would be to make it non-refundable. In fact, our club uh, back in 2016 uh, made it non-refundable. Uh, so we had uh, perhaps too late in plantations history or whatever, but, uh, you know, since 2016 here at plantation membership hasn't been non-refundable, but I definitely would encourage anybody starting out a new club to make it clear up front that it's a joining fee. It's not a you know, yeah, you get a, an equity certificate, but you're really not ever going to get anything back. Yeah, I always say that uh, private club membership shouldn't be uh, number one on your list of, in, of ways to, to invest your money. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> and I think that is a trend, though, around the country is that more and more clubs are going through that process and, and get rid, getting rid of the refundable memberships. Um, the other question I have for you is, you know, when it came to uh, getting buy-in from the members? Did this go to a vote? What happened there? Yeah, the process was we, uh, we the club, the board negotiated uh, with concert. And I should add in here, this is probably the Peter's least favorite part of the whole deal was having a retired lawyer like myself on the board who wanted <laughs> to, who wanted to nitpick everything. <laughs> but Very I, I I, I need to compliment uh, Concert's outside law firm and also uh, the, the outside firm we used as consulting. They both did a, did a wonderful job. But uh, we negotiated the agreement, and then once the negotiated agreement was in place and signed by both parties, you know, we then went public and took it to the membership because the agreement could not be fully and finally effective unless the members approved it. So between the time it went public and the membership vote in December of last year, we had a number of informational meetings. We did a number of frequently asked question uh, 
and answers that were sent out to the membership. And uh, there were a lot of questions at first by the members, and we had to do a lot of answering and explaining and all of that. But long story short, when it came to the vote in December, uh, it was passed by 97% to 3%. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I think that's probably one of your highest... uh highest uh, vote percentages, Peter, that you've probably seen, huh? Yeah, that was, uh, it was very, uh, very solid support from the membership. And I, I would give a lot of credit to Bill and his board. I mean, one of the, one of the challenges here is, you know, the members are looking to their board, eight, 10, 12 members who spend a lot of time on governance matters. And if the board isn't trusted, it makes it very difficult, right, for mm-hmm. the members to get behind a, a controversial, you know, proposition like a big assessment, $5 million, or obviously a sale of the club with all these protections is a very big issue for the, for the club. So when you have a board like Bill's at Plantation that is very thoughtful and everyone trusts them, you know, proven through prior activities, it really helps because everyone knows Bill's group did real due diligence. Everyone knows they're telling the truth. And and so people voted overwhelmingly to support this proposition that the board had already voted unanimously to do. Right. That's amazing. And, Bill. and Peter, Peter and Gabe, I know it won't mean anything to the folks who are listening to this, but I wouldn't be fair if I didn't mention uh, our previous two presidents, uh, Tom Kubik and Don Broman, they really did a wonderful job leading the board and everybody and all our members through this process. So I got, I got to give a shout out to them. Well, yeah, they really did. Yeah. Along those lines, Bill, what did you guys do to build trust amongst the members as a board over the years? Oh boy, I tell you, that's a, uh, a good question, a tough question. Uh, I, I think, especially with the most recent boards, I, I can't speak personally to the others, but most board members that I, I have known over the 10 years I've been here have all been the kind of people who care deeply about the club, and they show that, and I think that just comes through uh, to all the members in general that, that just, they, they know the people who have, uh, volunteered to serve on, on the board, uh, really do care about the club. Yeah. Transparency has got to play a big role in that as well. And it sounds like you guys did that. Yes. Yep. We did. We put the financial numbers out. We even started talking about the financials several years back. I mean, as much as three or four years back, I give those boards credit because they, they, you know, they really started the educational process long before we got to the point of needing or wanting to sell the club. So the club members in general understood the struggles financially the club was having. Yeah. Yeah. I think all too often, um, you know, clubs make the mistake of, of keeping their members in the dark sometimes of what's going on behind the, behind those closed doors and those meetings. And I think just the more you communicate, the more you can be transparent, the better results you'll have uh, with anything you're trying to, uh, accomplish at the yep. club. No, so, I, I agree with you. Other clubs, our club had a history of having at least semi-annual informational meetings for the members. Nice. That's fantastic. 
Um, last question for you. What were, what were your biggest lessons from the process that you can share with us? Well, the biggest lesson is uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier is do your due diligence and don't rush the process. Take your time. Make sure you're doing it right, at least as best you can tell you're doing it right. And also begin the education process with your members you know, well in advance. Just don't spring it on them. Uh, and ask them to approve it without having, you know, done some, you know, homework and and education uh, prior. That's fantastic. Bill, I I so much appreciate your time today coming on Private Club Radio and sharing your story with us. Hey, you're certainly welcome, and uh, thanks to you, and also thanks to Peter. We're looking forward to uh, many good years with concert. Same here, Bill. And thank you, Peter, as always. And I invite our listeners, if they are considering the process, to check out Concert Golf and what they can do for private clubs over at ConcertGolfPartners.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Gabe. Well, I hope you enjoyed that one just as much as I did. I'll catch you back here next week when I get back from North Carolina, a little trip into the mountains with the family. Until then... Here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise, and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.